This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Well, it's good to be with y'all this morning. <laughs> like he said, I do, uh, I do have a home pulpit, but God has seen fit to uh, give us opportunity to be together today. Uh, my associate pastor was less than excited. He was happy that I was here, but also saddened because we like to be together as well. But... Uh, God knows best, amen. I have learned through struggle and through fighting that if God gives you opportunity, you take it because uh, he knows best, amen? amen. Amen. I come with no new news, but with good news this morning. I, I, I always am um, humbled at the opportunity to open God's word and to minister. I, I, I was born and raised just a few miles away from here in, in Centerpoint, Louisiana, from Avoles Parish. I'm not fancy by no means. Uh, sometimes I stumble over words. I find myself a lot like Moses in times. Lord, why, why choose me? But I feel like that's probably all of our testimony that starts. Lord, why choose someone like me? And the answer to that question is pretty easy because God gets the glory when he uses the lesser things. Amen? I... I I'm humbled this morning to be lesser. There was a time in my life when I thought I was the best there ever was. And if you know me, maybe sometimes you think that still tries to rise up a little bit. I'm a man like everybody else. But God has a way of humbling us this morning. And I want to talk for just a few brief moments uh, from Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. To Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 14 through 17. And then if you want to go ahead and put your thumb in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We'll be there as well. Speaking this morning under the title a most precious gift. A most precious gift. Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 14. And the word of God reads like this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for the time of worship that we have spent thus far, Lord, on on this day, O God, the, the day, Lord, that we set apart to worship you and to bring glory to you lord i ask that you touch these lips of clay oh god lord let these people hear a better message than i have prepared 
Lord, speak to the hearts of us. Lord, as your word says, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you say to your church today. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. We are here this morning in the midst of the busiest time of the year. We're in Thanksgiving. We are in Christmas. We're at the end of the year. Many, many, many people today are uh, anxious, are worrying, are wondering how are we going to fit everything in. Uh, If you're like me and my family, my my wife's family is from Denham Springs down south, and we're, we're already trying to figure out how to how to tie everything in together. How are we going to give time to this person and that person and this family and that family and make sure that we don't take away from one side and we we don't give too much to the other side. And it's very easy for us, especially this time of the year, to lose focus on what is important. It is important to give thanks. Uh, Of course it is. We heard last night, for those of you who were at that wonderful meal, I I took part of that. I I skipped breakfast this morning. I was still full. It was great. And um, and, uh, we heard several people stand up and give thanks. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my salvation. And all those things are important. Salvation being the most precious gift. But in that salvation, I want us this morning to stop and reflect and think and give thanks and give glory to God what we received in salvation. Salvation alone is enough to praise God for the rest of our lives. Amen? We've been saved by grace through faith into Christ Jesus for the glory of God. That's the gospel in in its totality. Christ come. He ministered. He died, He bought salvation for us, and all those, the Bible say, who put their faith in Christ, He does not turn away. Amen. And if that was the end of the story, praise be to God. We could be okay. We've escaped hell. God has saved us. Heaven is our home. But our God is more than just Savior. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want to try and tie these two passages of Scripture together. Paul lays out a a beautiful picture of the Holy Ghost. That's what we receive in our salvation and and His ministry throughout all of chapter 8 of Romans. That Romans chapter 8 is is what the Holy Ghost is. It's who He is. It's His ministry. It's what He does for us. He testifies to our spirit that we have received adoption into the family of God. He lays out this beautiful, this, this gift, and he, the spirit, he guides us, he directs us to salvation in Christ for the glory of the Father. And what Paul says in verse 15, it's one of, if not one of the most important truths that a Christian can put their faith in that we weren't just saved, we've been adopted. 
I realize that adoption is it's important to me and my family. It's important to several here in this church as well. But I want us today to go away, Christian, understanding that adoption is important for all of us because it is what sets us apart from this world. I have been bought with a price. I am not my own anymore. I've been adopted. I have a new father. Not just a savior, not just a judge, not just one who cares for me, but a father who loves me, who cares for me, and who cares for you. I want us to see this in Samuel chapter 9. God has saved us from wrath. He's changed us and is changing us in in sanctification. And what are we being changed into? the expressed image of His Son. We're not just being changed into celestial beings. We're not just being changed into a a better version of myself. I'm being changed into Christ. He's given us His Spirit, and that Spirit testifies with us today that we, the sinful creature, has been grafted into the root of Jesse. Our God the Father has adopted us as heirs to the kingdom. God didn't have to do this. This is what I want us to understand. He could have just saved us. We could have been made like one of the angels. We could have just been a part of the kingdom. It it would have been plenty enough to just make it into the gate. But we've been grafted into the family. I want us to see what God has done for us today. Let's give Him honor and praise and glory for the God that He is. Nobody else has this assurance like we do. Nobody else can go to the Father but those who have been adopted into the family. There's many kids around here. I see a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids at my church. Only one of them calls me Daddy. Only one of them calls me Father. If the other ones come up and they say Daddy or Father, I say I'm not your Father. Go find your father. Right? I'm not, I'm sorry, kid, you're not my problem. Right? <laughs> we, don't want, we don't say it like that. We, we honor the kids, and, and we do, but, but when one is throwing a fit, man, that's sad. I wonder where their parents are. <laughs> you know? But in the midst of a crowd, Wednesday nights, we have a bunch of kids. It's, it's, it's mass chaos at the church, and... And there'll be 50, 60, 70 kids sometimes, and they're all screaming and doing kid things. But let my son start to cry. I hear him. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of everything, my son needs me. And I go. That's what we've gained in salvation. In the midst of the chaos of this world, our Father hears when we cry, I'm a father to him. Oh, what a precious gift. What a precious, precious gift. Pharaoh's daughter and Moses, King David and Mephibosheth, Mordecai and Esther, Joseph and Jesus, all times where adoption is, is shown in a biblical sense. And if we could today, I want to look at Samuel 9, and I want to read Samuel 9, it's 13 verses, but I want the Bible to preach for itself. I want us to see in this Old Testament text, salvation, in its totality, 
and what it means to us. Because David did the same thing for Mephibosheth, what God has done for us in salvation. Let's read this morning. Starting in verse 1, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I I can show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makar, son of Amal in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Amal. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Do not be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Now listen to what Mephibosheth said to this. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 21 servants. Listen to verse 11. Mephibosheth hears what's happening. And he says, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this for me? And King David doesn't even answer that question. He starts providing for him. But then in 11 we get the answer. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever the Lord, the king, commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table. Here it is. Like one of the king's sons. David adopted Mephibosheth that day because of the covenant that he made with Jonathan in chapters past. We know that Jonathan and David had a kindred spirit. They had a love one for another. And they made a covenant. Even in the midst of Saul trying to kill David, David and Jonathan made a covenant that neither one of them would harm the household of each other. David becomes king. Saul, Jonathan, both slain. As the prophet said, in the midst of the fleeing If anybody knows anything about biblical history, that was what a king did. That was a king right. When a new king asserted himself on the throne, he had the right to end all of the former king's kinsmen. Because it was a a rite of passage. It was a way of saying, I'm king now. The house of David is here. House of Saul is no longer here. David 
owed Mephibosheth nothing. David gave Mephibosheth not just a place at his table, but a place in his family. And it's the same thing we see in salvation today. No longer hiding in fear. Mephibosheth was in hiding. He's not hiding in fear anymore. He's a descendant of Saul, and now he lives openly among the people of God, no longer under condemnation and separated from the king. Now he's... He has a great privilege. Mephibosheth's weakness didn't vanish. He's still lame in both feet. But those feet are now under the table of the king. It's a beautiful picture of salvation for us. When Christ found me, he got nothing, folks. I was nothing. I'm a Mephibosheth. In my salvation, all I could do was cry out to him and say, Why me? Why show love to me? I'm just a dead dog. I'm nothing. We're Mephibosheth. We want to be David in this, but we're Mephibosheth in this. God didn't owe us anything, folks, but yet He loved us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Christ died for me. While He was on the cross, He was looking and seeing us. Very personal. No other religion has this personality in Christ. David's grace to Mephibosheth is a wonderful picture of God's grace and adoption to us. David could have just pardoned Mephibosheth, and he did. He said he wanted to do a kindness. So he asked the court, Is there anybody left in Saul's family that I can show kindness to? It started with David wanting to show kindness. And and they found a servant of Saul. And and the servant come and he he basically said, what what do you need? What do you want? Because see, the servants were in trouble too. Anything to do with Saul's household was, was disbanded. And then David said, if you caught it, is there anybody alive? in Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to. And then Mephib- uh, Ziba said, yeah. Yeah, matter of fact, there's one remaining son of your friend Jonathan. He's been in hiding. He was just a young thing whenever Jonathan died. And history tells us that while his uh, nurse was fleeing the city, she fell upon Mephibosheth. That's why he was lame in both feet. He was crippled. Mephibosheth was in a bad place. And it wasn't even his fault. He was just born into this. Doesn't that not sound like us? As sinners. I'm a sinner because I was born. That doesn't sound very uh, exciting, right? But yet I'm a sinner at my own omission as well. I've had pro- I've had I've problems, not problems. I've had debates with people. We'll put it that way, who want to say that our God is not a loving God because why would He create somebody and then throw them in the sin and they didn't even have anything to do with it? 
But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has never made me sin. The devil hasn't made me sin. Scott has made me sin. I've done exactly what I wanted to do my entire life. All the way up to the age of 17 when salvation came to me. And here's something else. Even after salvation, I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God. What keeps a thrice holy God looking at us with compassion and giving us the righteousness of His Son? It's because we've been adopted. That little boy of mine doesn't make me happy all the time. But that's my son. That's my boy. I love him even when I want to wring his little head. Parents in here, no. Grandparents, you're exempt. Your grandkids do no wrong. I found, I, I found that out. The stuff that I would, oh, I would have got thrown across the living room for some of the stuff my, my son does and my mom and dad just go, oh, look how cute he is. Look at that. But our father, our father looks at us the same thing. Do we hurt our father? Yes. But he loves us nevertheless. He loves us enough to correct us and to pull us from faith to faith, from glory to glory because He's given us this spirit of adoption, this life that lives in us. We are in hiding. We're Mephibosheth before salvation. We're poor. We're weak. We're lame. We're fearful before our King. And then He calls for us. We're separate from our king because of our wicked ancestors. We're separated from our king because of our wicked actions. We're separated ourselves from the king because we didn't know that he loved us. I grew up in church my whole life. I'm a preacher's kid. I can't get away from it. I can boast. I'm like Paul. If I was to boast in myself, I was going to church before I was even born. I was, I was in it. Did me absolutely nothing. I was the best church player there was. I could talk the talk. I could walk the walk. I would even stand up, thinking back now at the blasphemy. I would stand up and give lessons and, and preach the word and then go and hit my bonfires and do everything that teenagers do. Master chameleon. Nobody knows God knew. God knew, but yet still He reached down to me. He chose to adopt me into this sonship. See, that's the that's the beauty, and we could we could we could talk about adoption all day long. It's it's fantastic. Everybody needs to adopt two or three year old. All of them. But that is that's one of the beauties in adoption. You don't get to choose what you have naturally. But I chose my son. I had a choice. I, I, I was shown a picture and a profile and, and, and I could have said yes or no. Do we love our natural born kids? Yes, absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. 
But our God chose us. He chose us. Have a surety in that. Rest in your salvation, Christian. You've been chosen. We were separated. And he fixed the gulf. He unseparated us. I ran from him. He chased me. <laughs> mm. Our king sought us out before we sought him. That's what David did. He said, is there anybody? I love that. He didn't say, is there anybody of the house of Jonathan? He said, is there anybody? God's not a respecter of persons. The king's kindness is extended to us for the sake of another. It's for the father. King's kindness is based on covenant. It's, it was covenant between David and Jonathan. It's covenant between God and the Son. We have the privilege of provision at the king's table. This is where it starts to get good. It's because of covenant we've been saved. Okay, cool. That's not very personal. There's going to be a bride, and yes, we know that. But he calls us by name. Did you notice in verse 6. So King David had him brought from Lodabar. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And all David said was Mephibosheth. Think back to your salvation. Do you remember the songs that were sang? Do you remember the message that was preached? Some of us do. Some of us have vivid memory and great detail. And that's okay. That's great. The only thing that matters is you heard your name that night. Something down inside of you, even though you didn't really want to be there, grabbed you and said, Scott, said Mephibosheth. Do not be afraid. I'm going to show you kindness. Salvation in us. Let's wrap this up. Born in the sin as slaves to our flesh, everyone on earth is separated from God. It's biblical. But because of the great love with which He has for us, that He loves us, God made us alive together in Christ. What an unimaginable grace, this salvation. God's unmerited favor. God decreed before time began to save a fallen world. Praise God. Praise God. But then he makes it personal. We can all quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Praise God. But then he turns it personal. Even more, he adopts us into his family. We receive sonship. We receive heritage, heir. By grace, through faith in Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God. It would be more than enough to be saved from hell. 
to be given grace and mercy and gain entrance into heaven? You've, you've heard it said, I don't care what my mansion looks like. I don't care about the crowns or the robes or all that stuff. Just put me a shack on the outside of, of the skirts of the town and I'll be okay. We would all be okay with that. To escape eternal death and gain eternal life, books have been written about that. Fairy tales have been made about that. They're still looking for that fountain of youth. They ain't found it. Indiana Jones didn't find the Holy Grail. All of this stuff, it makes good TV. It makes good stories. It's good literature. Why? Because it's truth. There's truth in it. There is eternal life to come in Christ. There is a fountain of youth, if you want to put it that way, in Christ. Many people, like Judas, we come for the wrong reasons. He went to the Messiah. He went for the wrong reason. I want to be a Mephibosheth who had no idea the king was looking for me. But yet it still, the word came. I want to be adopted into this family. It would be more than enough to just be saved. But God who did not have to, chose to bring us into Himself. He loves us, y'all. He loves us. To be called, to, to, to be associated with, to be known as the sons and daughters of a thrice holy God. Walk in that. The Bible says walk in the high calling that you've been called into. Why? That's the question I have. Whenever I, why? That's what Mephibosheth said. He, I could just imagine him standing there in front of the king, just knowing this is it. That, that they know history. They know what's going on. This is it. I've been found out. Best case scenario, I'm set outside the camp. I'm, un, I'm, I'm unclean. I'm not part of the covenant. I, I'm able to live, but I can't even... I can't even worship and do what I'm supposed to do. That's best case scenario. But then David looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Could you imagine standing in front of the king like that? Knowing that death is certain and the first thing he says out of his mouth is, don't be afraid. Actually, the very first thing he says is my name. How, how do you know my name? I'm just a dead dog. I'm nothing. Lame in both feet. I, I'm, I'm nothing. And then to continue to hear David open his mouth and word after word coming out and, and it's just blessing upon blessing upon honor upon honor. I don't deserve any of this. But then to hear, you're going to eat at my table. What? A, what? As one of my own sons. God loves us, y'all. In all the examples of adoption in the Bible, we see that the adoptee bring, being used to accomplish some, some huge task. 
some huge thing. Why are we adopted into this? Why does God choose to do what He does? If we consider ourselves God's adopted children, as, as Romans 8 should say, His Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are the adopted children of God. Then what was our purpose of being made sons and daughters? Why would God do this? And it's in its simplest form, it's this. Our purpose is the same as all the other examples in the Bible. It's to bring glory to God. That's why you're here this morning. The ones who testified that they shouldn't be here, but they are. Why are you here? To bring glory to God. That's the reason. Why have I been given another day? Because God still seeks glory. But in our day to day, how how do we live that out? Like, what does that look like in, in our Christian life? How do I identify as a son and daughter of God? How does Richard Paul identify as being the son of Richard Scott? It's by proclaiming his name. When someone asks, "Who's your daddy?" To Richard Paul, he says, that guy. He points to me. It's the same thing we do in our Christian life. When people ask you, why are you the way you are? Do you point to Christ? (laughs) Why am I the way I am? Because I've been changed. (laughs) Believe me, I... I didn't want this for my life. I grew up as a preacher's kid. I knew the responsibility. I knew all of that. That's the first thing I would say. Well, what are you going to do when you grow up? i tell you what I ain't going to do. <laughs> you don't think God has a sense of humor? Tell him what you ain't going to do. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Y'all thank God for unanswered prayers. I have prayed, prayed in my ignorance. God, don't. Don't put this burden on me. This is what I live for now. He's changed me. He's changed. He's, he's put into me desires that I know aren't from me. But I want to please my father. See, I'm, I've been adopted. I, I want to do what my daddy wants me to do. And it brings him all the glory and all the honor and we're blessed by that? God. How does it look in our day-to-day? Well, we've been given a most precious gift, and that's the spirit of adoption. Why? To bring glory to God and in your service to Him. To be able to fall back on this gift when life is too much to bear. That's a surety. Remember that our sufferings, God will... He's never going to leave us. He never forsakes us. And and how can we have a surety in that? That's fine and dandy to say he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. It's easy to say, but let chaos ensue. Let life happen. Let issues arise. Let loved ones die. Let, let something go wrong. And can you still stand on that truth? Yes. The answer is yes, Christian, you can. Even if you don't feel like it. It's still a truth. Richard Paul can never not be my son. Even if he doesn't feel like it. 
Even if he wakes up one day and he goes, you know what, I just really don't feel like I have a mama or a daddy. That doesn't, he still has one. He still has us. I've been there as a Christian. When I feel so far from God and I have no idea why. When I've been in a valley for way too long and and all I want to do is cry out to my Father and it feels like my prayer doesn't go any further than here. I'm the only one. That's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that He hears me when I pray. Daniel was the same thing. Prayed for days. Days and days and days. And when finally the servant of the Lord come, the angel came, he said, Daniel, we heard you the first day. We heard you the first day. But there's been a war. Don't forget Ephesians 6, y'all. We still, we're in a warfare here. But we're on the winning side. And how do we know that? What a surety there is. Stand this morning with me. The surety is this, that we've been adopted into Himself just as God the Father cannot nor will not be separated from God the Son. He has decreed before the foundations of the world that all those who put their faith and trust in Christ, He will not separate from them. He will not separate from those who live in Christ. This morning, if you're here, I don't know. I say the same thing at at my church too. I don't know your heart. God does. If you're saying to yourself, this sounds really good. I have no idea what you're talking about. You can. You can. If you're here this morning and maybe you've just been walking through a, a dry season and God has purposed this morning to put us all in this place for this reason to hear that God loves you he's never not loved you he's always loved you and he still loves you today and praise be to God to that he does not deny himself and we've been brought into himself have a surety in that this morning if you're here this morning and you say I know all that but I don't feel loved He's here for you too. He's here for you too. Matter of fact, He loves you so much that He's already came for you. He's purchased your salvation upon that tree. Said while we were yet sinners. Thank God I didn't have to clean myself up before God come to me. (laughs) While we were yet in sin, He adopted us took us just the way we was and then purposed to change us into the expressed image of his son. Praise be to God. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, for your promise, oh God, for this most precious gift. Lord, in this season of thanksgiving, Lord, help us to cry out to you and give you thanks and honor and praise and glory, oh God, for what you have done for us. That none of us deserve this, O God, but that yet it happens. Lord, we thank You. We honor You. And we glorify You this day, O God.
And it's your, in your name we say amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.